It's good to see you. Good to be back with you. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jimmy Inman. I'm teaching pastor here. Some of us have been gone on a mission trip for a couple of weeks, and good to be back with you. Already been a really good day. We baptized three people in the first service this morning. Yeah, and that's. Uh, that's always a good day in church. Uh, I want to welcome uh, everybody that's new in particular. Um, we're in a series called This Is Us. Been doing this for a while and kind of winding down, probably finished three weeks from today. But uh, today we're talking about the fact that we need to serve uh, each other as members of the body of Christ. And before we really get into Scripture, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to go ahead and find that. Before we really get into Scripture... Um, there's a handful of people who are going to kind of share some, uh, either some needs, kind of some testimonies about uh, serving, whoever's doing that, the microphone's up here. Let me say just a little bit about uh, our Honduras mission trip before, uh, before we get into that. Uh, you know, when we go and serve in Honduras, uh, I mean, you know, it's missions, it's evangelism, it's reaching out, but it's also serving the body of Christ. And when we talk about the body of Christ, it's, it's easier probably to apply it to a local church, but really we're talking about the big C entire church, and we all uh, belong to each other. But uh, uh, we had a great trip, God blessed, answered a lot of prayers, had an awesome team, uh, we you know, appreciate everybody who um, you know, prayed, who gave financially to support the trip, everybody who picked up slack. Uh, back here. Our trip went about as smooth as it could. Uh, you know, I can't tell you anything really that was wrong with it. I'd, I'd have to sit around nitpick it, uh, which I don't want to do, to try to find something that was wrong with it. It sounds like last Sunday at True Life, though, everything that possibly could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of that was obvious other than, you know, Roger had to uh, fill in at the last minute and preach. Ray got sick, and you'll get to hear what Ray was going to preach in a few weeks, but uh, appreciate Roger doing that. But uh, I mean, we had an awesome trip. God bless. Saw some people uh, come to faith in Christ and got to train and equip a lot of people. Uh, seminaries uh, coming along well. Those guys are doing good. Uh, we have nine boys and girls clubs uh, now. The church plants are doing well. A couple of things you can pray for going forward is we're trying to finalize and formalize the, the Boys and Girls Club is an independent ministry with a board and an executive director. Hopefully that's going to be uh, finalized in the next month or so. And we're really trying to expand the seminary to more locations. That's probably our number one priority. I think that's really the biggest need or the biggest way we can make an impact because if you've got leaders, everything else can happen. Without leaders, not much is going to happen. So, uh, so you can pray for that. But uh, just really appreciate everybody who's gone, who's a part of what we do who supports behind the scenes. So thank you very much. And I guess with that said, you know, the people that we're going to um, share testimonies about service, you can just kind of come one after the other and share that. And then, like I said, we'll be in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Hello. Um, my name is Ashley. I'm one of the sound technicians. And Jacob, I don't know how loud I am. <laughs> Good, okay. Um, basically, I just wanted to come up here and talk about um, how being on the sound team has affected my life. Um, it's made it a lot better, <laughs> in short. Um, I've got a bunch of brothers that I didn't really want, but they're in my <laughs> life now. <laughs> um, and it just kind of being on the sound team, you would think that 
you know, knowing that you're the one controlling the whole sound, like you'd be focused on that the whole time, but really it just gives you like this whole other perspective on worship. Because you're up there, you're seeing everyone. You're seeing how all the worship is affecting everyone. And it is really like, sometimes it's just, a lot of times, it's just like mind-blowing. Because you can really see God working. Um, but yeah, with that being said, we do need more volunteers. Because there are three of us right now. <laughs> um, and so with two services every Sunday, you know, four or five Sundays a month, that's a lot for us. And we don't mind, but it would be nice to kind of expand that. Personally, being the only woman up there right now, I think we need more women, but that could just be a bias. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if any of you guys, if you have an ear for music, if you don't think you have an ear for music, we can train you. Like, really get in touch with John or Nathaniel or myself or any, any of us. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to do that, definitely, definitely take that step because it is, it really will, will help you out. It'll, you know, it'll imp impact your life for a good Good thing. Good morning, folks. Uh, I'm on the ministry team, media team, ministry, no, Mi media ministry. Um, uh, the, the disposition to be back there and uh, have a nice little wall between you and everyone, um, it, it serves some people. Uh, and, uh, and so I was, I was brought back into that ministry, uh, basically because I was a nerd and I could do computers. Um, and it's, it's really been interesting because not only have I been able to kind of flex that talent, but it's been really cool. Like Ashley said, to watch the various parts of worship all come together and, and to be able to see kind of from my, my little pedestal back there over the top of everybody and everybody just joining together in communion with the Lord has been a beautiful experience. And, uh, and so if, if you are good at that kind of thing, if you have that disposition to, uh, to serve in the shadows, um, and if you, uh, if you don't mind making mistakes publicly to where everybody can see you, <laughs> um, media is a, a cool opportunity to serve because you do get to see how the band and the, the body all work together and, and it's very easy to get distracted by that and realize you're three slides back and oops, I got to go forward a few, a few of these because it's just, it's captivating. It really is to, to see everybody worshiping together. Um, so we're, we're down a, a person or two. Um, also, we have a ministry back there that works with social media. So if you are tech savvy and, and can run a video camera um, or if you can't, we can train you. Uh, but we, we've reached literally thousands and thousands of people with our social media campaign. Uh, and that's, that's just a cool thing to be part of and to, and to get to be back there and watch people as they, as they comment on, oh, I'm so glad I could, I could see the service uh, because I'm you know, sick or I'm on the road or I'm over here or I, I can't be there today. Uh, it's just a cool experience to be able to firsthand minister to people who might not otherwise get to experience what we get to experience here. Um, so if you are, are available and, and have some, some technical skills, we could use several people. Who's next? Hi, I'm David. Um, 
Yeah, I'm representing the children's ministry this morning. Uh, evidently, they couldn't find anybody else to do it, so I'm a last resort. Um, but I really do feel duped. Uh, you think you know somebody? Did you guys know that Shane was a drummer disguised as a guitarist all these years? I mean, he was awesome, wasn't he? But uh, no, we love your kids. We want the best for your kids. We pray for your kids. Um, ultimately, what we want is for your children to develop their own personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to equip them to go out into the world and stand on their own two feet and not ride a pastor's coattail or a youth leader's coattail and really be able to answer tough questions because, let's face it, we're going to face opposition in the world. And, uh, you know, people are going to question us, question our faith. And, you know, we want to equip them to be able to answer those questions. Uh, uh, you know, who is God? Is there a God? Are there more gods than one? Um, why is sin in the world? Where does sin come from? Can I be forgiven of my sins? Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? <laughs> we'll leave that to Pastor Jimmy. He can explain that later. <laughs> but really, if you, if you guys have a heart for Jesus and a heart for, kid, for kids, we have a place for you in the children's ministry. Um, you know, you have the, the sheet in your bulletin that you can sign, sign up. Uh, you don't have to uh, go to seminary, Bible college. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You just have to have a heart for Christ and serving others. Use your gifts. You know, if God has gifted you in helping, encouraging, serving, whatever capacity that that is, you know, there's a use for you here in our children's ministry. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Anna. I feel really loud. Am I good? Okay. Um, I have been a part of True Life for almost as long as True Life has been here. Not quite that long, but close. Um, and I have been able to serve with True Life for about 10 years, a little over 10 years. And so I was asked to come and kind of give a little bit about how that has impacted me and how I've been blessed through that. And I kept I started to remember the time when I first started when I was 13. I didn't like say, hey, I want to help out True Life. How can I help? Which is a really good question. Many of you should be asking. Um, but I had someone pursue me. Someone come up and be like, hey, I need help. And I think you could help me. And so Miss Susan was that person for me. And she said, I just need you to volunteer a couple hours a week, just in the back office, do a couple things. And, and that will help me tremendously. And so me being homeschooled was like, yes, I get out of the house. I get away from siblings. This is a win-win. So I did it. But the day I walked in, I was really, really nervous because I was like, what, do I, what am I going to do? Am I going to be able to do it? Um, I just, all these doubts started coming in. And Miss Susan just looked at me, and the first thing she said was, thank you for being willing to help. And that changed my life because... Then I started looking at other people who started serving, and I started realizing that I came to serve, but every time that I was coming to serve, I was being served. As people were sowing in my life, or they were watering seeds in my life. And I can name so many people in this church who has had some kind of impact in my life. And I want to tell you, thank you for being willing to serve, for being willing to take the time out of your schedule 
to water my life, um, to sow seeds into our children, um, to encourage those who are hurting. You guys make this church happen. You make each individual a part of a family. So thank you. Hey, Anna, since you still have the, Anna, since you still have the microphone, why don't you tell them what you do for a job now? Um, I work with children. I'm a house parent at Kingswood um, and Bean Station, and so I am a full-time stay-with-the-children house parent. Um, and I was, like, I was 13 when I realized I loved working with children, and so now I'm with teen boys, and I get to, like, just love on them and be a part of their life, and it's just really cool. So those of you who have been around True Life for a while and maybe had Anna in children's church, youth ministry, see, now it's being paid for to other people. That, that, that's how it works. That's great. Thank you, Anna. All right. Um, so I, 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 to, I have a personal favor to ask. So if anybody knows the answer to the Adam and Eve and belly button question, <laughs> will you come and explain it to me after church today? So, because I'm going to feel foolish asking everybody's questions. All right. Um, you know, when we were in Honduras, there were two... Sh I, I got a report from the first weekend that I was gone, and there were two shocking things. I heard that Shane played drums at church. It's like, pick me up off the floor. And, because uh, he hadn't said anything to me about it. And then I heard that UT beat Auburn. <laughs> and it was like, give me mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation or something. I mean, both of these things. I asked like three people if these things were really true. So, um, all right. With 1 Corinthians 12, uh, what we're going to talk about today is the fact that we need to serve each other. And, um, you know, we're doing this series, This Is Us, and we're talking about mission statement and core values, and we're actually going to look at a couple of our core values that, um, you know, this scripture explains, I, I think, but, you know, there's certain mindsets that kill churches. Here's one of them, that the pastor is the minister, as opposed to the idea of what <laughs> Ephesians 4 says that the pastors are to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, where the body ministers to itself, where we're a church full of ministers, where we're saved to serve. So we're going to see in Scripture uh, today that the body ministers to itself under the headship or the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think this is an area that we need biblical convictions instead of cultural convictions in. Right, uh, there, there's a couple of cultural convictions that we have in the United States that really kind of fight against, push against uh, this biblical kind of mindset. One is individualism. Are, aren't we raised in, 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 in our country to be very individualistic? You do you, right? You pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can be whatever you want to be. You know, you dream your dreams, you create your life, these kind of things. And uh, while there's some truth in that, ultimately the Bible teaches us that we're created for relationship, that we're called to be a body 
as Christians. I think another American mindset that really works against this is we're very consumeristic. Right? I mean, and I'm not saying that's totally bad, but, uh, I mean, we have a lot of choices, and, you know, we should try to make good choices. We have options. You know, click of a button, we can pretty much uh, buy anything we want to, right? And with a credit card, we don't necessarily even have to be able to afford it, right? Uh, I mean, we're very consumeristic. And, um, you know, this spills over into church or into spiritual things. People church hop instead of being committed to a body of people. People are like, well, I don't really like that, so I'm going to go here. I don't like this. Or, you know, some people, instead of really being committed to a particular church, are like, well, I like the worship here, but I like the teaching here, and I like the kids' ministry over here, and the youth ministry over here. And they participate in multiple churches instead of belonging to one church. And, And Scripture teaches us that we're not called just to believe, but we're called to belong, not just to Jesus, but to each other. And, and, and so we have to you know, counter this kind of mindset. I mean, what we're going to see in Scripture today is that we are the body of Christ and that we need to serve and, and to be served in order to be a healthy body. We need each other. And, and you know, Preston talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I'm kind of going to build on that and say we don't just need each other in a relational sense. We need to serve one another with our talents and gifts and abilities. Um, You see, when you use your spiritual gifts to serve others, it's good for you. I mean, church is a very different experience when you're participating instead of spectating. A lot of people treat church like it's a concert or a sporting event when it's really uh, designed to be a participatory activity. And we just get a whole lot more out of it when we participate. Sometime, I don't know, in the last few months, I don't remember if it was this semester, maybe it was the end of the spring semester, I saw David Nolan uh, one night on a Wednesday night. And David works like uh, 12 hours on Wednesdays, right? You go to work, what, like 5 o'clock, something like that? And he comes in here and he teaches middle schoolers on Wednesday nights. Now, uh, nothing against middle schoolers, but if you're teaching middle schoolers, I think you need like a crown in heaven. But, uh, you know, but to do that after you work 12 hours, and, and I said, I told David, so, you know, I really admire you doing that. I really appreciate you doing that. And he said, that's the best part of my day. And that's what it feels like when we're using the gifts that God has given us to serve others. Um, you know, it's good for the body when we use our spiritual gifts. Um, I mean, think about it. Would you really want me leading worship today? I mean, I'm not Shane. I can't play the guitar, drum, and sing. And uh, I mean, I'm thinking one Sunday he's going to be playing guitar and, and the drums at the same time while leading worship. I mean, I have no abilities in that way. I don't have a lot altogether. But I mean, you want me doing media? You want me taking care of your kids? I mean, I mean, I can handle babies. You know, we raised three kids, older kids. You don't want me with the preschool. I'm not as sweet and patient as Miss Glenda. I mean, it would create. We probably have law. The church would be getting lawsuits because I spanked half a dozen preschoolers. <laughs> if I was in kids, it would cause problems. It just wouldn't work real well. I mean, we need to use our gifts. For the good of the body. I mean, you know, think about it. Even while we were gone on a mission trip. So we got a group in Honduras, uh, you know, ministering to the body of Christ. 
reaching people for Christ. But, you know, here we have, you know, what normally goes on going on. But then a couple of weekends ago, uh, you know, we had a youth retreat. God's using our youth leaders. And a couple of people who got baptized in the first service this morning were young ladies who got saved. Uh, on or right after the youth retreat. That's because we're a body and there's a lot of gifted people and, and we can work together to make a difference. Does that make sense? Um, you know, part of what we're called to do is use our gifts uh, to develop others in their gifts. Like, you know, earlier in the series, we did a youth Sunday and Ike Roach uh, spoke and he just killed it. You know, his youth leaders are developing uh, him or, you know, Shane's been using Mandy and, and Molly to lead more and more. He's developing them and using their gifts. Or, you know, when Preston preached a couple of weeks ago, I, I listened to his message at the gym one day this week. He just killed it. It was an awesome message. Anybody walks in not knowing titles, names, that kind of thing, is going to think he's the teaching pastor. I mean, that's what we're called to do is to develop other people in using their gifts. We need each other. We need to serve and be served by one another in order to be a healthy body. That's what the scripture teaches us. That's what we're going to see today. So let me just mention these uh, two core values, then we'll jump into the scripture. So, uh, you know, one of our core values is what Preston talked about. We need each other. God has designed us for relationships and so the application for us is that our philosophy of ministry is that we're a church of small groups. That we're called to do life together. And, and he talked about that from Romans 12. If you didn't hear that message from the 14th, I'd really encourage you to go back and, and, and listen to it. And, and, and that's a biblical conviction that we want you to have. If you're not uh, you know, plugged into a small group, living life together with other Christians, we would encourage you to take that step. We believe it's a step of obedience. But building on that, we also believe that the Bible teaches that every member is a minister. That uh, not only do we belong to each other relationally, that we need to serve one another. That we're all gifted to serve, and you know, we're called to love each other, to serve one another, uh, you know, to work together, to use our gifts to serve God by serving each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, that's what 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us. So if you'll look there, like I said, the big idea, and really I'm, kind of, I'm more giving an overview today. I mean, you could spend weeks on this chapter of Scripture. So I got about half an hour to walk through this. But to be a healthy body, we need to serve and be served by one another. So I want to develop that in four ways. And here's the first one. The Holy Spirit has called us out of idolatry into Christ. In his body. The Holy Spirit has called us out of idolatry into Christ in his body. Uh, let's read verses 1 through 3, and then we'll look at verses 12 and 13. So uh, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So is it, is it pretty clear what he's going to be talking about in this chapter? I mean, you don't need a PhD in theology to understand what he's saying here, right? I mean, he's like, I want you to understand spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant about them. And so he's going to develop that. But then it, it, when you get to verse 2, it, it kind of at face value seems like he's having an ADD moment. Because he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about small groups, but, or small groups, spiritual gifts. But he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. So it's like, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts, but... You were idolaters. It's like, how does this work together? Uh, and then he says in verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. 
And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And um, so as we read through the chapter, I think you'll understand um, you know, the, what he's saying about spiritual gifts. But the digression here is this. Um, you know, once we become a Christian, we receive the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us to Christ, enables us to confess that Jesus is Lord. But when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive spiritual gifts. But he was saying to them in Corinth that before they got saved, they were idolaters. There was a large pagan temple in, in, in Corinth. And, uh, I mean, they had some funky religious practices. I mean, that's my theological term for it. I mean, they were out there. They had idols. Uh, they were into orgies as, as a religious worship kind of thing, all this sexual perversion. They had, you know, they were idol worshipers, these kind of things. He, he's saying, this is who you were, but through the Holy Spirit, he's brought you to Jesus. Now, Jesus is your Lord. Now, you're different. Now, we may say, well... How does that apply to us? I'm not an idol worshiper. Really? We're just more sophisticated. We don't have statues, but I think Tim Keller's right when he says our hearts are idol factories. You know, he, he talks about like source idols, surface idols, but, but source idols are, are ways that we look for comfort, ways that we look for acceptance, ways that we look for identity. Ways that we look for power outside of a relationship with God. All sin is idolatry. I think Martin Luther was right when he said, if we break any of the Ten Commandments, we're breaking the first commandment to have no other gods before me. Uh, you know, anytime we place anything ahead of God, that's an idol. And, you know, the root of sin is not so much the action, it's the heart condition of me trying to be my own God, trying to live my own way, trying to do my own thing, and that's idolatry. So, we're all idol worshipers, we just need to admit it. And so, the reality is, is that we've gone our own way, we've lived for ourselves, but God in His grace by His Spirit calls us to Christ. The Holy Spirit enables us to confess that Jesus is Lord, which is the foundational confession of the, Christ, uh, of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, in the Roman Empire, they were killed for saying Jesus is Lord. And not just for saying that Jesus is Lord, because they could have said that and been okay as long as they would have also said that Caesar is Lord, but they wouldn't do that because they believed that only Jesus is Lord, and they went to their death, they were martyred for that confession. We take those words so lightly sometimes. But what Paul is saying in verse 3, that for someone to genuinely make that confession in a saving way, is only a product of the work of the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. We believe and we confess. We repent and we believe. So we can't just say, Yo, Jesus, be my Savior, forgive me my sins, I want to go to heaven. But we also have to confess Jesus as Lord. Now, what, is, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? Well, I want to read you something from John Ortberg that he said in a sermon that I think is a great, simple way to help us underst understand this. 
He said, when it was time to take our first child home from the hospital, we put her in the car seat in the back of the car, and then I got in the front seat to drive. She was so small, even the baby seat was way too big. She looked so fragile to me that I drove home on the freeway going 35 miles per hour with the hazard lights flashing the whole time. I'm sure it was different by the third or fourth kid, but, uh, you know, everybody knows the first kid, right? Uh, uh, That first day when your kid is in the car with you is a scary day. Does anybody want to know when the next really scary day is with your kid in the car? It's when they turn 16, and now you're handing over the keys. Now they're moving from the passenger seat, from the ride-along seat, into the driver's seat. That's a scary moment. It's a big moment in your life when you hand someone else the keys. Up until now, I've been driving. I choose the destination. I choose the route. I choose the speed. You're in the drive-along seat. But if we are to change seats, if you're going to drive, I have to trust you. It's all about, in, it's all about control. Whoever's in the driver's seat is the person in control. A lot of people find Jesus handy to have in the car as long as he's in the ride-along seat. Because something may come up where they require his services. Jesus, I have a health problem and I need some help. I want you in the car, but I'm not so sure I want you driving. If Jesus is driving, I'm not in charge charge of my life anymore. Which is what it means to confess Jesus is Lord. If he's driving, I'm not in charge of my wallet anymore. If I put him in control, then it's no longer a matter of giving some money now and then when I'm feeling generous or more of it coming in or when more of it is coming into my life. Now, if it's his wallet, it's scary. If Jesus is driving, I'm not in charge of my ego anymore. I no longer have the right to satisfy every self-centered ambition. No, it's his agenda. It's his life. Now I'm not in charge of my mouth anymore. I don't get to gossip, flatter, deceive, rage, intimidate, manipulate, exaggerate. I get out of the driver's seat and hand the keys over to him. I'm fully engaged. In fact, I'm more alive than I've ever been before, but it's not my life anymore. It's his life. And what Paul is saying to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that this is foundational to everything else he says in this chapter. Because if we confess Jesus as Lord, we're a part of his body. We belong to him. He's our head. He's our boss. He's our master. We have now uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jacob, go ahead to, to verses 12 and 13 if you would. Notice what these verses say. It says, whereas the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many uh, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, there's some things that I need to point out to you about that. First, uh, when he talks about the body of Christ, it's the entire big C church. It's just not our church. I mean, it's made up of local churches, but it's ultimately every Christian. So we belong to each other, not just Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are objectively, spiritually placed into the body of Christ at the moment of salvation. We belong to each other. You belong to the church. So when people want to say, now, now it's fine. If, if somebody's not a Christian, they don't want anything to do with the church, so be it. 
But you can't be a Christian under the lordship of Christ and say, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm not down on this church thing. Why? Because you belong to the church whether you want to or not. This is not a choice. This is not a feeling. This is an objective reality. If you're in Christ, you can never attend a church service, but you're still a part of the body of Christ. You're in sin because the Bible says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can not use your gifts. You can ignore the rest of the body of Christ, not care for people, not serve people, not love people. You can choose to do that, but you're in sin because you belong to the body of Christ. That's what he says. It's saying the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Now, people get confused about this. You know, there, there's some churches, denominations that teaches, uh, teach a second baptism of the Holy Spirit. That you get saved, and at some point after you get saved, you get baptized by the Spirit, and the outward sign of that is speaking in tongues. This verse does not say that at all. Notice what it says. It says, for by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Now, there's only one way he could say we were all, meaning every Christian, baptized into the body of Christ. It's if it happens at the moment of salvation. You see, the Holy Spirit is vital to living the Christian life. He's vital to our salvation. The Holy Spirit, regener- he convicts us of sin. He, he, he gives us faith. He regenerates us. You know, he, he comes into our life. He indwells us. He seals us. But at the moment of salvation, he baptizes us. And, and the word baptize, like we, we baptize in the first service. We got water up here. You've probably seen baptisms before. When people get baptized, they're being placed into this body of water. That's the meaning of, of baptize. The, the Context determines what you're being baptized into, but but to be baptized is to be placed into something. So this verse is saying we're placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? We're placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So if if you call Jesus Lord, that's where you belong. That's where you are. That's an objective reality. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And and, and maybe it's like getting married and getting in-laws that you didn't want, but you still got them. Uh, This is an objective reality. (laughs) Um, Somebody, I'm not sure who said I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, we're we're, we're part of the same family. Um, We belong together. But, but notice what it says. It says whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, it's not about outward status. We're all at the same status in Christ. There's no second-class citizens. It's not based on race or ethnicity or socioeconomic status, class, anything like that. We're one in Jesus Christ. We belong to each other. James said it's a sin to be partial towards those who are poor or that kind of thing. We are together. We're one in Jesus. Christ under his lordship called out of idolatry into him, into his body. That's what it means to be the church. And God wants us to have that conviction. And then there's certain things we do to live out of that conviction, but it's who we are first. This is who we are. We belong to Christ. We belong to each other. And that gives us certain responsibilities toward each other. Okay? 
So number two then. There's one body under the lordship of Jesus made up of many unique but interdependent members. One body, one Lord, many members, but connected together. Unique, but interdependent. Uh, Look at what he says here. I mean, we just read verses 12 and and 13. Let's pick up in in verse 14. Um, He says, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And, And so what Paul is doing here over the next several verses is he's maybe in, I don't know, you know, Paul comes across normally as heavy, serious. This almost seems kind of whimsical to me, kind of silly. He's using the, the, the human body as an extended illustration here. So, you know, he's talking about the human body as an example of, of the church body, the body of Christ. Uh, <coughs> one body, many members. It's like a human body. We have one body. Right? We're one. You understand that, right? If there's any confusion about that, let's make an appointment with Lori. You're one. One body, but many members, many parts of of that body. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, what he's saying is, I mean, if if your foot and your hand got mad at each other, can one of them say, well, I'm just not a part of the body anymore? So understand, I use Shane and Rusty as an example in the first service because they work together. So if they get, if Shane and Rusty get mad at each other, uh, Shane, our worship leader, Rusty's one of our elders, get mad at each other one day at TVA Credit Union and like stop speaking to each other. And they say, well, you know, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, you know, th- those kind of things. And, um, and one of them decides, I'm even going to go to a different church because I don't want to be around him anymore. They're still a part of the same body. They're just in sin, but they're still a part of the same body. So you can't run away from it because it's who we are. Either Jesus is your Lord or he isn't. If he is, you're in his church. You can either be obedient or disobedient, but you're in his church. You don't get a choice. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, not the body, and therefore not the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye. Am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? Uh, so, you know, one part can't just disown the rest of the body. You see what he's saying? All these parts are unique, or we'd just be a monstrosity, but they work together, interdependent, uh, need each other, uh, those kind of things. Uh, let's go ahead to verse 17. Um, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the, sm- the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, uh, there are many members, yet one body. And then he kind of repeats himself. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head uh, to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now that ought to encourage some of you. Because some of you are going to hear what I'm saying today and think, yeah, but I don't have a lot to offer. I don't have a lot of talents. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. You don't know what I'm struggling with right now. You don't know what my past is. How could God use me? But he says, the parts of the members of the body would seem to be weaker are necessary. We're all necessary. We're all important. It, it takes the whole body functioning together to be everything that God wants it to be. 
um, you know, if, if something's wrong in one part of the body, it affects the rest of the body, right? I mean, if, if you're hurting in one place, you're going to be hurting in other places, right? Especially if you're over 40. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't yet. But, uh, I mean, Robin's had a, a tendon problem in, in her left foot. And out of that, she's had pain in her right knee because if something's wrong in one place, you've got to compensate for it somewhere else. I mean, the most perfect example I give you, you've heard me give it before, but there's no better way to illustrate this. You know, when Molly, our daughter, was born, if you don't know uh, us, she had open heart surgery when she was three days old because she had a very rare heart defect. And the night before the surgery, she basically crashed, and uh, she was having seizures. She uh, wasn't breathing on her own. Kidneys weren't work, working. Liver wasn't metabolizing. So we didn't know if she had a bunch of different birth defects or if it was all related to a heart problem. Well, once they did the surgery, uh, they determined that it was all related to the heart problem. And her heart problem was something called a coronary artery fistula, and she was born with an enlarged coronary artery. It was a few millimeters too big, and nothing in her body worked. One part of the body affects every other part of the body. So please don't say you're unnecessary, unimportant, you have nothing to offer. Listen, if you're not doing what God's called you to do, if you're not fulfilling your role within the body of Christ, somebody else is going to have to work too hard to overcompensate or something that's supposed to get done is not going to get done because Jesus has chosen to make us his hands and feet and work through us. We don't have excuses. We're all needed. We're going to see in a minute that we're all gifted. Um. I mean, think about this. There, there's a book, and I've got an excerpt. I was going to read it, but I'm, I don't really have time. But I'll just give you the gist of it. Somebody wrote a book about, you know, when, when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon and about everything that it took, uh, you know, to get him there. And um, the, the author says it took 400,000 people to get him on the moon. And the Neil Armstrong said that in his mind, when he took that first step, what he was thinking about was those 400,000 people who got him there. And, and the book talks about two ladies who were the seamstresses that, that sewed, uh, you know, the moon landing suit. Seamstresses. Now, um, that, that may seem relatively unimportant. Oh, that's impressive to me because I can't sew. The only time my parents ever did my homework for me in my life was my mom did my home ex sewing project when I was in 7th or 8th grade or whatever that was, which I should have learned. But anyway, uh, I mean, seamstresses, I mean, that's not like, you know, the computer geniuses who did all the models and all the engineers and that kind of thing. It's seamstresses. I mean, that seems unimportant, but I bet at that moment, if uh, some of those stitches had popped open and he, he can't breathe anymore, he would think the seamstresses are pretty important. There's nothing unimportant. Use what God has given you for his glory and for the good of people. We're an interdependent body. We need each other. We need to serve and be served by one another. And then the good news is, number three, that we need to see here is that we're gifted 
by the Holy Spirit to serve one another within the body of Christ. Let's go back to, to verse 4. Uh, so, you know, Paul says the Holy Spirit's calling us out of idolatry, placing us into Christ and his body. You, we have the Spirit now. Now look at part of what the Spirit does in our lives as believers. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There's one Spirit who's giving different believers different gifts. Verse 5, there's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Verse 6, there's d- diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. And then verse 7, he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, uh, th- there's two, maybe three important things we see in that verse. There's two, well, there's really three, but there's a couple of primary Greek words that are used that are translated gift. There's one that's spiritual gift. There's one that's grace gift. So the ability to serve is a product of the grace of God through the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. It's a gift. It's a gift, though, that comes from the Spirit. And when he says, given to each one, You see that? Given to each one, that means every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Some have more, but every Christian has at least one given for the purpose of serving God. But it says it's for the profit of all. In other words, that gift is not for you, it's for the body. It's for everybody else. Um, You know, it's kind of like, it it would be weird, um, I mean, like, I hope you agree with this. If, if, if not, don't, don't say anything right now because that would be a little deflating. But I think one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. I hope so. And, 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 and that helps me because part of that, I think, is being able to understand Scripture. But if I just stood in, in the mirror and preached every week, that's not using that spiritual gift, right? I'm using my gift when I stand before you guys or, you know, when I'm, I probably preached 20 times when I was in Honduras. And think about it, when you're using your gift, that's like your sweet spot. You feel comfortable. Uh, I mean, you feel like God is working through you. It doesn't stress you. I mean, I'm not up here nervous. I'm calm I'm re- because that's what God has wired me to do. And, and you have something or, or more than one thing uh, like that. Some of you have a lot of gifts. Mine's pretty narrow. I don't have a lot. But uh, you got to develop what you have and try to use it to its fullest to impact the greatest number of people. Now, there's different lists of spiritual gifts in, in, in the New Testament. You know, to me, there's probably about 20 different spiritual gifts. Some people would, you know, say a little more, a little less. But, uh, Jacob, would you put up that, that list of the spiritual gifts? Um, there, there's things like uh, being a missionary. The New Testament talks about prophecy, uh, evangelist. Now, you know, every Christian's to do evangelism, but some people, are, that's what they're really gifted to do. They're really effective in reaching people for Christ. Uh, there's, you know, pastoring or shepherding. There's ministering or serving. There's teaching. There's exhortation, which can be challenging people, comforting people. There's giving. I mean, we're all supposed to give, but some people are just like, you know, that's their thing. They're like super, super uh, generous. I just love to, to help people. Leadership, mercy, administration. There's a gift of celibacy, which, you know, that that would be the gift of God calling you to be single without sexual temptation. That's a gift of celibacy. Not something you can claim that God imparted to you if you're mad at your husband one night. But um, (laughs) there's, uh, 
There, there's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's faith, there's discerning of spirits, there's uh, healing, there's miracles, there's tongues, there's interpretation of tongues. Some people debate about these kind of, but I mean, all these are named in the Bible. And the idea is that God gives us these gifts to serve him by serving others. And, and, and so, you know, if, if you think about it... Um, you know, I said the big idea here is we need to serve and be served in order to be a healthy body, corporately, individually. I mean, you know, think about it. You know, as a church, our mission is to meet people where they are, help them become fully devoted followers of Christ, you know, to, to make disciples, fulfill the Great Commission. And, you know, and what goes into that is things like evangelism, teaching, discipling, worship, fellowship, ministry, you know, prayer. There's other things. But if, if we're going to be healthy, be ministering to each other well, like we should, reaching out to the world like we should, it's going to take people using their gifts in order to bring that about. I mean, think about it. You know, just on a Sunday morning, which is just one part of what we do, you know, there's, I mean, I'm up here right now, but there's five people up here before. There's three people back in the back. There's, I don't know, is there probably a dozen people in kids, serving in kids ministry right now, Leanne, something like that? Yeah, this service, I mean, there was however many people that were greeting before the service. You multiply that by two services, you're probably talking 50-plus people just on a Sunday morning. Uh, you know, we have multiple small groups meeting throughout the week. You know, there's things like boots on the ground, you know, things that are going on to serve in the community. It takes all of us working together for us to be the body that God wants us to be. But think about it on a personal level. Because the end result here is, um, you know, look at verses 25 and, and 26 here. The, the, the end result is that serving and being served results in a body that's united and cared for. Here's the purpose of all this. Verse 25, he says that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that uh, the members should have the same care for one another. We're called to care for each other. He says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is what I said at the beginning. It's the body ministering to the body. It's not hiring people to minister to the body. Our staff should be equipping the whole church to serve each other. You know, when people think, like I said at the beginning, you know, the pastor is the minister of uh, the church. I mean, think about that. I mean, we, you know, we have four elders and, and Philip, but I mean, just take it to me as the teaching pastor because that's how a lot of people look at it. You know, we, we have roughly 500 people that are involved at True Life. How well does one go to, with 500 as far as ministering to people? I mean, Take the four elders and Philip. You get five into 500, well, that helps, but that's still not that great of a ratio, is it? Let me throw Lori in there, that helps. But what if we're all ministering to each other? What if we're all in a small group and the people in the small group are caring for each other? People can be loved, taken care of, 
and we can infinitely multiply and continue to reach new people and those people be loved and cared for as well because the body's ministering to itself and not depending on a handful of people to do it. That's the biblical model, and the church in America has gotten so far away from it, and that has so much to do with, with, with the struggles of the church that feed into the struggles of our nation because, you know, the church is going to be the soul of a nation. It's all of us together. And, and, you know, we need to serve, but sometimes we need to be served. You know, sometimes we're too proud to be served. Sometimes we're too proud to let other people know our needs, to, to ask for prayer, to ask for help. And that's sin. You know, sometimes we're not available to help others in their time of need. And that can be sin, depending on the circumstances. We need each other. I mean, I, I think about, and I'll close with this, you know, just, I, I could stand up here and talk for a really long time about, you know, the times in our life when the body of Christ has ministered to us. And if you've really been a part of, our church, of a church, this church, another church, that's a biblically functioning church, you could do the same thing. Um. You know, I think back to when I was a teenager, my parents divorced. You know, Rusty Arwood's family was like second parents, family to me. You know, that's the church being the church. There's a lady, her name was Rose in our home church. Sweet lady, loved Jesus, loved people, but she was eccentric. I mean, she could have been on an episode of Hoarders, or if there's some crazy cat person show, she could have been on there. But uh, when we were in, uh, in, in seminary, um, you know, when you're in seminary, you don't have anything, and uh, when you're in seminary, apparently you get pregnant, because it seems like it happens to everybody somehow, um, but, uh, you know, we had Jay while we were in seminary, and, but, but Rose would send us just little bits of money here and there, and, and we used that to buy a recliner that uh, the baby could be rocked in. That's the church being the church. Um, you know, I think about when Robin's mom died and a deacon at Manly that was there to minister to her family or Pastor Emmert coming and telling her what had happened. That's the church being the church. I think about how Lori Arwood, our church counselor, has ministered to our family at different times. I mean, that's somebody using her gifts in the church. Uh, being the church, you know, I think about, you know, being able to serve with our elders and how they uh, help lead the church and how we support each other and work together. That's the church being the church. I mean, I think about, you know, people in this congregation, either at a birth or at a crisis, that have been at the hospital with us. That's the church being the church. You know, I, I talked about Molly having that surgery earlier. There was a man in uh, our uh, church in Maryland that, uh, while Molly was on the helicopter that drove us down to Washington, D.C. in the hospital. Broke probably every traffic law known to man. But at that moment, that was the church being the church. And then him and his wife showed up at the hospital in the middle of the night that night and were there when we didn't know, with us, when we didn't know if she was dead or alive. That's the church being the church. We belong to Christ. We belong to each other. This is who he's called us to be, to serve and to be served, to love and to care, to be united and, 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 and to be there for each other, to have, the, to live out of this relationship that we have in Christ and so that we can be a healthy body and so we can be a witness to the world because Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. When's the world going to take the church seriously? When they see us living this out. 
when they see us living this, I mean, why, why are they going to listen to us if they don't see this in us? I mean, if they don't see unity and, and, and they don't see, um, you know, that there's no color in the church, and if they don't see love, they don't see care, why are they going to listen to us? If they see gossip and backbiting and infighting and, and dividing over secondary matters, why are they going to listen to us? We belong to each other. Let's live like it. Let's serve one another. Let's be served by one another. So, so keep dressing.